Yeah. And then just edit it later. Okay. So good morning, everyone. My name is Kate Hancock, and welcome to my first episode inspired by her. And my first guest today, which I'm very excited, Dr. Daisy Ilagantagarda. She is internal medicine infectious disease specialist an active consultant and head of TV Community University of Santo Tomas Hospital Chair, Infection Control Comedy, Dilliman Doctors Hospital. Doctora Daisy, welcome. Hi, uh, good evening here in the Philippines and good morning there in US. How are you? I'm very good, so I'm very excited. Okay. Thank you for doing this. I know you, you've been working around the clock um, so tell us what you can tell us about what's going on in the Philippines right now. Okay, so uh, right now we have a sustained um, local transmission of COVID-19 right now. So we have the uh, sudden increase in the cases. So we had a problem actually on on how to accommodate all the patients who are considered as PUI or person under investigation, which means that a person exhibiting symptoms consistent with COVID-19 but not yet confirmed with the test and confirmed cases of COVID-19 uh, meaning that with symptoms of uh, COVID-19 and has been tested and confirmed with positive results. So uh, we, are dub uh, we are working uh, double time right now especially for us infectious diseases. Wow, wow. Okay, but before we'll tackle about COVID-19, I want to know your story. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in your story. I know at one point I met you in LAX and you're you hitting yes. Harvard <laughs> um, conference. So how did you decide to become a doctor? What's your story? Okay, so actually I'm very excited to tell on my story on how became a I became a doctor uh, since I was three years old. I was inspired, I think, by my pediatrician during that time to become a doctor. Um, I can't remember any other ambition that I um, thought of only to become a doctor. And then when I entered high school, I have to decide on what degree I should I take in college. Mm -hmm. So we are living in the province of Batangas. And there, uh, in Batangas, we don't have medical school there. So I need to go to Manila to take the pre-medical course and then go to the medical school. Unfortunately, my father, who is, uh, I'm the favorite daughter of my father. <laughs> so he did not first allow me to go to Manila. So I begged and cried so many times every day just to, for him to allow me to study and take up biology as my uh, pre-medical course mm -hmm. and then go, enter the medical school. The reason for that is because my father is old already. I think he's already 70 years old when I'm uh, in fourth year high school and he told me that uh, he will be too old enough to send me to school when I, be, uh, when I, and I, when I will enter the medical school. So during that time, if I enter medical school, he's already 80s. But I still insisted. I want to go to medical school. And then, true enough, after finishing three years of uh, BS Biology, I entered medical school in UST. And when I finished uh, medicine, initially, I want to take up endocrinology specialty. Okay, So I took internal medicine. And then, however, when thinking of the subspecialization that I, I'm going to uh, take uh there's too much 
many in, on, endocrinologists in Manila already because that time I met Ronji. <laughs> He's living in Manila and there's a lot of endocrinologists already and I uh, and I considered other specializations. So uh, lesser in number but fulfill, uh, uh, more interesting. So I, tr- I think of um, taking uh, hematology, rheumatology, and infectious diseases. So, and also oncology, but among the four, uh, I think the most reversible type of diseases, meaning, meaning the higher the chance for the patient to mm-hmm. be cured, is uh, when they have infection. So that's why I took infectious diseases, and true enough, I did not uh, regret any decision that I made regarding the specialization that I took. And as of the moment, no. I think I made the right choice. (laughs) Even if it's very difficult, you know, my parents are even asking, why did you choose infectious diseases? There's tendency for uh, the patients to infect you or um, to transfer the infection from the patient to the doctor. Uh, But I think it's more fulfilling because uh, if you just give the right um, treatment, then there is a higher chance that your patient will survive. Wow. So um, before we started this, you were telling me that um, a lot of nurses are calling you or like you're on call right now for patients. Especially yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what do you normally would ask? Is it? Okay. So uh, I'll just tell you on how uh, my everyday uh, schedule when this happened, this COVID-19 outbreak happened in the Philippines. So I actually, I'm a... Um, I'm a uh, instructor in a university so i also teach but right now because of the outbreak i decided not to to stop um for a while temporarily so i made rounds every morning and during uh, making rounds i have four hospitals that i uh to see that i have four hospitals which i am affiliated of and then i see the different patients right now i have 33 inpatients uh that i have to see every day so most of them are called PUIs or COVID-19 confirmed cases. So every time they have, they have questions regarding the management or if the patient has difficulty, like for example, they complain of something, difficulty of breathing, they have pain, then they call me as a consultant and then uh, it's like I'm the captain of the ship. I decide for the patient, I decide for their management. And then even as the infection control uh, head in the hospital, the protocols being implemented in the hospital are usually made by the IPCC head, like me. So it's a very big responsibility. At the same time, it's fulfilling as well. So even at night, Longi will sometimes uh, complain that I was not able to sleep because my uh, phone kept on ringing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm on 24-7 on call. <laughs> I don't have holiday. Yeah, I can but, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm. Uh, we're planning to go back to US after everything will be okay because I want to have a vacation after this so toxic uh, days of COVID nineteen outbreak. <laughs> yeah, so you you deserve it, and thank you for doing that. I mean, you. It's it's so amazing listening to you. How you mentioned this is a fulfilling work, and it just you're making a difference of people's lives. I mean, especially in this. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate your service. And so, Mm -hmm. um, 
there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of myth and I don't know what's the truth, right? You see it all mm-hmm. over Facebook. Recently, I was la- I mean, people are talking about they, they have to eat egg in order to get cured or bananas. Can you tell me about this? Is this, oh. is this a joke? Oh, definitely eating egg is not, <laughs> it's not proven effective. So uh, the difficult thing about COVID-19 is just it's a new type of infection, meaning everything is new to us. We have information, but we don't have good evidence. But right now, supplements are not yet proven to be effective. Even eating a lot uh, more than 1 million eggs, it will not, uh, as of the moment, no evidence that it can cure COVID-19 or it will prevent. Somehow, zinc-containing uh, food or supplements, uh, theoretically, it can prevent the, theoretically, meaning it is not proven by clinical trials. Mm-hmm. So, it can somehow uh, has an antiviral activity, but some of the medications being used for um, for COVID-19, like chloroquine, it's an anti-malarial drug. But in China, it has been it has been proven that it decreases the viral load and has a and patients who took the chloroquine will have a faster recovery as compared to the patients who did not take the medication. So other medications are still under study. But of course, as I'm telling to my patients, it's better to give something that we think can work. Uh, compared to something that we can't give anything. So these are still under study, but we are giving to our patients for whatever benefit it may give to them. So right now, yeah, banana and egg, not true, it's a myth. (laughs) Yeah, so so far this um, this anti-malaria medicine has been working for recovery for patients. Is that data you're getting? Yes, yes. From Wuhan, China, they give... um, to the group of patients that received chloroquine, uh, they had a faster recovery. I think in U.S., there's a small study showing that hydro- hydroxychloroquine combined with azithromycin. Uh, hydroxychloroquine is some medication being given to uh, autoimmune diseases. They are usually being used by the rheumatologist, but it has been proven also that it has an antiviral um, activity against uh, COVID-19. So, I think hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin is also a good option to be given to these COVID patients. Yeah, so far what I've been hearing in years, that's what they've been using in the U.S. because it's the only option, right? Like Mm -hmm. you said, Mm -hmm. it's better to give something than not giving Mm -hmm. anything. Anything, yes. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, so like for everyone who's self-quarantined, I mean, they're at home, they're stuck at home, they're bored. What can they do? What can they take? What, what would you recommend for them to eat? Or Okay, definitely there's no prophylaxis for um, COVID-19. What do you mean by prophylaxis? It's something that you have to take to prevent the infection. No strong recommendation yet. But what we usually, uh, what we strongly recommend is actually for the people to practice social distancing. I think this has been proven to be effective. And um, also um, wearing protective gears when, you, when you're uh, dealing with sick patients, especially for healthcare workers, they have to, fa- uh, they have to wear um, masks. But for something that they have to eat, what I can advise is if they have diabetes, for example, their sugar should be controlled. If they have hypertension, their blood, uh, blood pressure should be controlled. 
a balanced uh, meal because basically those who suffer severe disease of COVID-19 are those who are immunocompromised. So this includes malnourished people, people with comorbidities. So they just have to at least uh, control their comorbidities like hypertension or diabetes. That's all. So no specific, uh, um, any supplement has been proven to be very, very effective. Just eat the right meal, a balanced meal. And if you have diabetes, then you have to take your maintenance medications. Okay, wonderful. Now, um, before in the beginning, they mentioned that this only hit for, this is only harder for patients over 60. Now I'm seeing all over the world that 18 years old get affected or anyone under the age of 50 get affected. Is that the same case in the Philippines? What's the data? Yes, um, I have patients um, being affected uh, who are less than 60 years old. But what I noticed that these infected people are those with comorbidities or diabetes. So, for example, I'm a 40-year-old female. Uh, I got infected. I, I'm risk, I'm, I have higher risk to get the COVID because I have another disease like diabetes. So the mortality and the complications actually increases as the age increases and other comorbidities like asthma as well. So it's not true that if you're young, you cannot get it. You can still get it, but the prognosis and the chance of the patient to live and to be able to survive decreases as the age increases. So they are inversely uh, proportional. That means you can still have the disease, but the chance of you surviving it will decrease as your age increase. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. what about for the mild symptom patient? Um, have you had any patients that recover, uh, fully recovered? Or? Yeah, a lot. Actually, and the data uh, among, for example, uh, 80% of COVID-19 cases will have mild disease. And around 20 of uh, COVID cases will have a moderate to severe disease. And um, from that 20%, only 5% will have a severe disease. And from that 5% of severe disease, when you say severe disease, these are the patients being intubated or being admitted in the critical unit like ICU. And um, the mortality rate is around 3 to 4%. So meaning the chance of you to die is lower. However, it's very infectious. A lot of people is getting it. A lot of people are getting the disease. Uh, but, you know, the percentage of uh, these people dying is very, very same as compared to other diseases like Ebola. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, most of the people will present with mild disease or mild form of disease. Yeah. Okay, so if you get infected, you have a mild symptoms, you fully recover, what are your chances of getting it again? Because I've heard... Oh, well, there are, there's no strong data yet, but um, following the principle of immunology, meaning if you're infected with the same strain of virus, the chance of you being immune already or being protected is actually higher. So I think, uh, no, I, I'm, I, please, I, I don't want to be quoted, but if I'm going to look at the uh, theory on immunology, you will, if you're going to be uh, infected with exactly the same strain of mm -hmm. COVID-19, of SARS-CoV-2, then I think you're going to be immune with the disease already. So meaning, what do you mean by immune? You're already protected because you have an antibody present because of the previous infection, and the chance of you rein for reinfection is very low. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, 
Wow. So, um, is the Philippine government super prepared on this? Or I know oh, we got this. <laughs> I know no country. I know for sure this is so big that no country is prepared by this. But no country we- is prepared, especially for third world country like the Philippines. So uh, we had a difficulty getting the testing kits. No, the turnaround time is very long. It's very important for us to uh, make decisions in terms of management. So. Unlike uh, first world drug countries like Singapore or even U.S., you have the capability to test immediately the infected person. But however, in our setting, we only have uh, several uh, testing kits available. So we just select those who really need it. Like for example, with moderate to severe type of illnesses because for mild diseases, we don't have the chance to test them. That's why our mortality rate is actually higher because I think we have selected uh, patients to test only for those with severe type of diseases. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. So I know um, the cases right now in the Philippines, pretty much in Manila area, like the huge number of yes patient. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm grateful. In Camigan, we have zero case. Um, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great. We're on lockdown. But I've been seeing some other cities that's, high populated and they're not doing the seriousness of this it's scary f- for me because then the recovery will be longer and harder mm-hmm. uh yeah it's true because you know uh the the way of living here in manila we have a lot of uh we have a large population mm-hmm. so the transmissibility of the infection is very very high uh because of that factor. Also for the living conditions of the people here, it's not really that ideal. How many uh, people living in one house uh, and we have, they have only a uh, small uh, space in their house. So the, the chance of you getting the virus is very, very high as well. So I hope it will not have that uh, high incidence of infection to the provinces as much as we have here in Manila. Yeah, I think we have so much space and we have fresh air. So I think we're we're we're, ge- we're very congested here in in Manila in NCR as compared in Camiguin and in Iligan City. Gotcha. So what did you do yourself personally? Can you tell us what do you do for you not to get infected? Okay, of course, as a healthcare worker and as an infectious disease, I am considered the frontliner. So I think this is my duty that I have to see the patient personally who are infected with COVID-19. Number one is I use personal protective equipment. If you're going to look at the different uh, pictures in the internet or even in the Facebook, you wear goggles and 95 gowns, masks, no? and even booties to um, at least make sure that we are protected. Because, you know, in, in, in infectious emergency, it's not actually an emergency because you have to protect ourselves serves first than uh, than patient first than seeing the patient first so PPE is uh, number one very important number two hand washing uh, so as not to bring the infection to our houses to our loved ones and to have enough rest so usually uh, as much as I can I have to sleep and rest I, I have separate rooms with the kids so as not to uh, no, the chance of transmit me transmitting or giving them the virus will be very, very low as well. 
I'm also a diabetic. I'm diabetic, so I, I take my medications religiously so as to have a good immune system. Wow. Okay, so okay. those are really great information. Now, you mentioned about zinc. Um, any fruits that has zinc or vegetables is loaded with zinc? Yeah, vegetable has a high uh, zinc content. So, um, But, you know, the, the level of the zinc that is being recommended to have its effect is around uh, 5 to 20 grams, uh, milligrams. So you check the supplement that you take if, if, if it has that type of uh, level of zinc. But again, this is not evidence-based. This is just a theory that zinc has an somehow antiviral activity. How about vitamin C? Everyone's say, talking about vitamin C. Um, vitamin C or ascorbic acid, um, again, this is not proven to be effective. More than... More than uh, vitamin C, zinc is, has a better uh, data to support the uh, boosting of immune system than vitamin C. But again, the, the safety profile of the supplements are very good um, unless you took it, um, you abuse taking medications or vitamins. Generally, they don't have that severe side effect. So, you can take the supplement again. That why do you call it supplement? You can you can have it or you cannot have it, but it can help somehow. But the 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 evidence is stronger for the chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine as compared to the supplements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So right now we have about one thousand cases in the Philippines. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, more 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 or less one thousand. Okay, but you mentioned because we don't have enough tests, so the, the numbers could be higher. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, that, um, yeah go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay, so I, uh, I've said, as I've said, you know, because of the incapacity or uh, the capacity of the government to provide kits is not, uh, cannot meet the demand. So I think we are underreporting the cases in the Philippines. Wow. That was okay. cool. What was your name? Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Daisy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Time. And uh, again, thank you for service. So that was great information. And we got a lot out of it. Thank you. And have a great night. Thank you.